to Pass First Point Guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. We're rolling along. Welcome to September, y'all. You're listening to Friday, September 2nd show. Whenever we produce shows, or three days a week right now, make sure this is your first listen every single day. We have a really fun episode for you. I've got a really fun episode for you. The, the Royal We has a fun episode for you today. Donovan Mitchell got traded. He's heading to Cleveland. We're going to talk about all of what what all that means. Uh, ESPN, my good friend, Timmy Goodtimes, Tim Bontemps over at ESPN released, a, uh, released this survey of NBA GMs, scouts, and execs. Talking about what what to expect from the league moving forward and this upcoming season. And then finally, we got a fun listener question to close out the show. A little Friday content for you. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Let's start with Donovan Mitchell. Dude's on the move. He was always going to get traded, but he was always going to get traded to the Knicks, right? That seemed like the most likely spot. And then the Knicks chose to re-sign R.J. Barrett and... Missed out on Donovan Mitchell. Instead, Donovan Mitchell headed to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Lowry Markkinen, Oshai Agbaji, uh, Colin Sexton, and a sign-and-trade and a whole haul of picks. Three unprotected picks and two pick swaps. That's five first-round picks under the Utah Jazz's control. Holy cow! The Utah Jazz and Danny Ainge, your boy trader Danny, pride of Eugene in Lane County, Oregon. Go Highlanders. North Eugene High School. I bet I got that one right this time. For those of you who remember when I got it wrong last time. Go Highlanders. Danny Ainge has now acquired, or now holds, 15 first-round picks over the next seven drafts. You trade Rudy Gobert. You trade Donovan Mitchell. Seven drafts. 15 first-round picks. Quite frankly, way too many picks to use, but enough picks to move and wheel and deal and all those things and to and to really get this rebuilt on. Uh, real quick, I like this trade for both sides. Uh, I like it for Cleveland because when you have two all-stars in Darius Garland and Jared Allen, and you have a really good young player who looks like he's going to be like super impactful right away, like already was a very, very impressive rookie and, and, and expects to get better uh, in Evan Mobley. Going for it makes a little more sense. The Knicks, like, don't have that. They certainly don't have two All-Stars. Um, it made less sense for the Knicks, but, like, the Knicks are the Knicks. They were going to go for it, right? They chose not to. They're going to go another direction. But for the Cavs, it, it to me, it makes a little more sense. Like, for a team like them that's not going to be a free agent destination, at some point, you just got to cash in and go for it. Uh, you know, if Donovan Mitchell decides to leave after three seasons, he's got a player option that he can opt out after three years. Like, yeah, this doesn't look like a great trade, but if you get Donovan Mitchell for four years and he, he commits and you're really good and all of those things, like, I think this puts a team like Cleveland in the mix. I don't think they're like championship level good, but they are something like, yeah, I'll say this. I'll, I'll, I'll throw my hot take out. I think there's something like the worst team in the NBA that could win a title. Um, I said that last year about the Dallas Mavericks as the worst team in the NBA that could win a title. Um, is that damning with faint praise? It might be, but like it's hard to win a championship in the league and Donovan Mitchell makes them better. On Utah's side, um, you know, Larry Markin is a dude who can play. He's like young and can play. Uh, Colin Sexton's pretty good. You know, diet caffeine-free Donovan Mitchell. Uh, not my cup of tea, but like for sure, diet caffeine free Donovan Mitchell. He has some similar qualities in a small scoring two guard that is maybe point guard sized. Uh, you know, this continues their stockpile of picks. Uh, you get Oshai Agbaji, who's like, you know, is 22 and would be better on like a good team because he's 22 and can play right away. But, you know, he's got some he's got some upside. You add that to the hall that they've got. You add that to Taylor Horton Tucker, who they got. Um, 
Malik Beasley and, and all the other parts, Jared Vanderbilt, all the other parts like this. Utah is like they've got some intriguing young parts, but it's what's next for Utah that I think actually has more implications for the Blazers. This was always the direction the Jazz were headed whenever we've like talked about uh, you know, who's going to be a playoff team in the West. I never mentioned Utah. I, it was seemed, as soon as they trade Rudy Gobert, it always seemed clear that this was going to happen. I know that they were trying to say, like, we're comfortable bringing back Donovan Mitchell. This nonsense, that was always BS. They wanted to get this done, and now that they've got this done, they're going to trade the other vets. Like, they're going to trade Mike Conley. They're going to trade Boyan Bogdanovich. They're going to trade Jordan Clarkson. Like, they're going to be bad on purpose because when you have all these draft picks, being bad on purpose matters. Um, and they kind of need to get rid of the vets because they're a little, too, they're like a little too good right now. Like if they really want to be truly bad, like, you know, one of the five worst teams in the NBA, they do need to get out from under like competent NBA players like Bogdanovich and Clarkson and Conley. So according to Tony Jones of, of The Athletic, the Lakers are coming a call and I can, I can foresee a scenario where something like, uh, and I don't have the money right in front of me, but something like Bogdanovich and Mike Conley in exchange for Russell Westbrook. Um, and then Westbrook gets bought out and goes wherever he wants to go after that could happen. Like the Lakers are, are we're always sort of linked, particularly to Bogdanovich, because he's like fits fits sort of what they need. They, don't, they need more forwards, less guards. Um, yeah, like the that's that's going to happen. And that has implication for the Blazers. Wherever Clarkson, Conley, and Bogdanovich end up, if they end up in the West, those are competent vets who can help Mike Conley's a little overpaid but he's like still a pretty competent particularly in the regular season veteran even though he's he's clearly taken some steps back with age Jordan Clarkson is a bucket if you add him to your bench you have a bucket on the bench he can help and Bogdanovich is like you know when healthy a really intriguing albeit somewhat slow-footed but like big scoring wing like he's a he's like a four mostly for his physical profile but he's not but he's not like a big bruising four he's like a spacey power forward stretchy power forward he can help like he's he's good i like him as um you know if he's your fifth best starter you're a really good team it's uh he will be like the third best player in the lakers but um it's uh you know it's useful vets moving in the west will have implications particularly if it's specifically the los angeles lakers because that team is right in the blazers tier like that matters for portland Right now, I think the Blazers are probably a little bit better than the Lakers, although like the Lakers have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, so their ceiling is higher just because of the top-end talent. But like Portland just has a better roster. If the Lakers move on from Russ and add add some of these parts, whoever it might be, like they're better. They will get better, and that is another team in Portland's way in their quest to be a mid-level playoff team or something better, but for my money, mid-level playoff team. It's another team that puts them in the way. That is the real implication for Portland from this. Blazers aren't going to get involved. They're not, they're not, they don't have a path to get one of the three vets. They don't have really a path to like get a rerouted Lowry Markin and rerouted Malik Beasley. It'd be, it'd be intriguing if they did, but Portland just doesn't, they don't really have a path to that. It would be, it would mean trading Josh Hart doesn't really make sense for the Blazers to trade Josh Hart for any of those guys. Um, Josh Hart's could just hold on to him. I think it's simple. Portland's, Portland is more going to be affected by the other moves than be involved in a move. Uh, the last thing that this Donovan Mitchell trade means is that some of the, the vets who've been hanging out can get traded now. You know, uh, Patrick Beverly tweeted something like, Kevin Durant's been holding folks hostage, blah, blah, blah. Like his moves has affected people's outcome because Patrick Beverly's people clearly told him he was going to be traded to the to the Lakers whenever things were decided, unless he got rerouted somewhere else in a larger Kevin Durant trade. Kevin Durant goes back to Brooklyn. Pat Bev got traded a couple days later. 
Um, he can quit crying. Uh, but like, he's right. They're, they were on hold. Like some of these veteran guys are on hold, not just the trade stuff with Utah, but like the Hassan Whitesides, the Marcus Aldridge's, the, the DeMarcus Cousins, like guys who are pretty much only going to sign with good teams, veterans who are going to sign with good teams to be backups, to be end of the bench or like eighth, ninth, 10th guys type of things. They, you know, survey the situation, find out who has roster spots, who has like potential playing time and who has proximity to a championship and a desirable place to live um, or just a big role. Uh, Like that's, those dominoes will start to fall. Uh, Again, for the Blazers perspective, I don't believe they will get involved with any of those veteran uh, free agents because I think they are going to prioritize, at least in the short term, being under the tax line, which they accomplished by waving Dita Luzada and stretching and waving Dita Luzada. So it's more about like watching for these little movements to, for what other teams in the West get better. Um, hopefully everybody, go, for the Blazers' sake, everybody heads east, like, um, you know, head back to Brooklyn um, or or other, uh, you know, or Cleveland now in appealing spots. Um, so like it's, you want that to be the case because, uh, you know, again, just like more teams in the mix is worse news for Portland as they continue to move forward. That's the implication of the Donovan Mitchell trade, a trade, a, a rare trade that I like and, and kind of understand for both sides. In the second segment, uh, I want to talk about a, a survey, a yearly survey that um, uh, Tim Bontemps of ESPN, uh, Timmy Goodtimes, releases where he talks to executives, he talks to agents, he talks to scouts about what happened in the offseason and their perception of best players, best teams, who's going to win, and also best rookies and, and, and stuff like that. There's some intriguing Blazers stuff buried in that ESPN survey. I want to share it with you in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to just remind you about the importance of driving safe. Um, if you're someone who thinks it's okay to drive stoned and you're thinking, what's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. You might say it's no big deal, Right. Listen, the truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in some danger, but everyone else around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's, it's not okay to drive high. It's If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Tim, Timmy Goodtimes, Tim Bontemps of ESPN, has your ESPN front office survey. 15 people surveyed. Um, it's, it's a relatively small field, but it's it's executives, it's scouts, uh, it's it, it is is folks folks within the league uh, who are you know who who have sort of a vision of what's going on. And it's questions like who's the best player in the league, who will be the best player in five years, who's the best rookie, who's all those things. It used to be a little more robust. I think it's uh, short. It's uh, kind of calmed down. The the size of the questions has calmed down a little bit. The size of the surveys calmed down a little bit. But it has some intriguing stuff in there, like some of the stuff you'd expect. People think the Clippers and the Warriors and the Suns are going to be the best teams in the West. Yes, right? Like people think in the East that it's it's Milwaukee and it's Brooklyn and Boston again. Sure, th- those seem normal. People think Giannis Antetokounmpo is really freaking good. People, uh, one exec thinks John Morant has an outside chance to win the MVP or is an MVP front runner next year. All of those things are intriguing. But for our purposes here, when you're listening to Locked On Blazers in early September, you want to know what's up with your Portland Trailblazers. Here's where the pinwheels are represented. One, a place they are not represented. They were asked, 
this group of 15 basketball people, basketball decision maker types, were asked who will be the best rookie in five years. And it was Paolo Bancaro number one, Holmgren two, Chet Holmgren of OKC two, uh, Detroit's Jaden Ivey was third, and Keegan Murray was the only other rookie of uh, rookie from Iowa who plays for the Sacramento Kings, came in fourth. Intriguing for me, Shane Sharp's name is not on the list. I think if you're talking about five years from now, Keegan Murray's going to be 27. Shane Sharp's going to be 24. Like, sure, Keegan Murray's going to be entering his physical prime. He's going to be like, you know, probably at the peak of his powers in five years, right? So it's very reasonable. But the whole intrigue of Shane Sharp is upside. To me, what this says is like, one, some of this is just like surface level. Like, you get sent, yeah, I'll do your survey, right? Like, that's the type of thing. It's like, people aren't going to go way out on a limb here. There's some, I don't know, group think is the right way, but there's like some... One of the survey questions is, who will Donovan Mitchell play for uh, after the trade deadline? And the answers are two teams, the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz. Like, you know, we, we all kind of think the same things and end up wrong. Everyone thought Donovan Mitchell was going to be a Nick. Today he's, or whenever it goes through, today he'll, he'll be, a, tomorrow, I guess. Today when you're listening to this, he'll be a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like this, the, 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 there's like stuff swirls in within NBA circles. Everyone starts, at some point, everyone's hearing the same thing except for Brian Windhurst who's putting his two fingers up and, uh, and, hearing, and hearing something a little bit different. Now, why would they do that? So, like, I think in terms of, like, stuff to get mad about, right? Like, not having the Blazers pick to win the Western Conference or make the finals or whatever it is. Like, sure, sure. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think the Blazers roster is, is, like, one of those teams that you look at and you say, like, they can win a championship. Like you think, like oh, this is an this is a fun group, but it's like not not that right. I, I, I'm not getting too upset about that. I'm not getting riled up about that. I I'm surprised that Shane Sharp didn't get a vote here because like his thing is upside, right? Like his his intrigue is not like what he will do in October. It's like yo, we haven't seen this dude. And when we have seen this dude, he was so good. He was so clearly the best player in his age group that even like if you bump him up in age group, he was clearly one of the best players in that age group. Like this is a guy who, you know, would have competed in a loaded 2023 draft class for one of the top picks in the draft, would have been a top three pick in the 2023 draft class if you believe the prognosticators with that type of thing. So I'm I'm intrigued that Sharp didn't get a vote. Um, in general, on good teams, I think I've said this and I'll just repeat it here, like on good teams, rookies are um, only contributors if there's like a clear spot for them. And if the Blazers want to be good, it's like, I don't even know what role Sharp plays. I want to see him play because I'm super intrigued by him. But like on teams that have playoff and beyond aspirations, like rookies don't usually are, are more detriments than positives. Certainly there are exceptions to that rule, except exceptions to that generalization. But like, in general, rookies should play and do play a lot on bad teams. Uh, like, so who knows what Sharp's like actual role will be this year. But the question is, who will be the best player in five years? I look at that list with Ben Carroll, Holmgren, Ivy, and Murray, and I say, yeah, I can see Shaden Sharp. I can see like a, the seventh pick in the draft who would have likely been higher if he'd played a single minute of collegiate basketball. I think, I think, hard to know. I think I would like to see him play basketball and then I'll sharpen that opinion a little bit more. Like, I, I think he's worthy of inclusion there. The other place where the Blazers show up, they get one vote on this, on this, uh, on Tim Bontemps' survey. One vote for worst offseason. Dang. <laughs> dang. Dang. 
worst offseason. That is quite, uh, quite the perception, uh, according to Bontemps' write-up, because he does these, it's like, it's an interesting piece, you know, find it on ESPN.com. Uh, like, he does the, just like the survey results, here's who, how all 15 people surveyed voted, and then a little write-up about it. Uh, and the Blazers write-up is the end of the blurb, and it's like one Western Conference executive just like, straight up did not get what the Blazers did this summer. And the quote, direct quote here in the ESPN article I'll read to you now is, they're just a head-scratching team. What are they competing for? Sheesh. Uh, in general, I think the Blazers had an okay offseason. Like I gave, I think I gave it a B, B grade overall offseason. But like, I sort of get that sentiment from the outside. One, that seems to be the prevailing national sentiment. What are the Blazers doing? When the Blazers were tanking down the stretch last year, everyone was like, oh, they've started a rebuild. They're going to trade Damian Lillard. When, like, if you listen to the local guys, like if you listen to me and the other, like, the folks in, in market who cover the team, it's like, no, they're tanking because they want to draft pick immediately and they want to rebuild around Dame and they're going to keep Dame. Like, if you listen to the show, I was, um, you know, educated guessing, but I was projecting for a long time, like Dame's about to get a hundred million dollar extension. He's going to get this max deal. They're going to go for it with this group. Um, like not, I, I kind of hate like citing myself. I find, I find that a little cringeworthy. Um, so I apologize for doing it, but it's like, just like, I, th- to, I'm, what I'm trying to paint the picture is like, I think the perception outside the market has been very different than the perception within the market. Uh, it's like, so, uh, maybe you blazer fan always thought that like this was never the way, but I think, I think it is, there is like a natural perception outside the market that it's, that the blazers are like confusing. Why would this be the worst, one of the worst off seasons in the league though? Some of it is the Damian Lord extension. It's just a ton of money. It's just a ton of money. Like it's just, it, it's, you know, it's 55 and then $60 million annually for, or back-to-back seasons when he's 35 and 36 years old. It's just a lot of money in a salary cap league. It's a lot of money. Even if it's a $150 million salary cap, it's 35% of the cap for a 36-year-old. It's a lot of money. I get it. That's weird from the outside. Uh, I think re-upping Ant and Nurk for a team that many people look at this roster and say, hey, they're they're like, their ceiling is the fourth best team in the West or something. And I think even that's generous, right? Like I think the perception is their ceiling is the seventh best team in the West. Ceiling, like realistic ceiling, the Blazers finished seventh. Like I, I think that is generally from talking to people outside of Portland, that is the perception of your team. This team, your team, I don't know why I'm being so aggressive there. This team, the Portland Trailblazers, the team I host a very regular podcast about. But like that's the perception of is that they're not just like, you know, committing all of this money and being a borderline tax team for like a team like that is weird. Um, and and I, I well, I would probably push back against that because I think like it's hard for where they were, like you need like a full teardown. If they weren't going to trade Dame, then like this is like a pretty palatable offseason. Amphrey Simons is good. Paying him is fine. Uh, the NERC contract is a little more questionable. The, the, uh, the Jeremy Grant trade is like totally fine in my eyes. Uh, and signing Gary Payton, while it might be more than other teams are willing to pay, like is not this egregious overpay. It's literally just the Damian Lord contract, which I think, and Dame and NERC, the, the, the questionable contracts. And like a franchise doubling down on its most loyal or quadrupling down, however you want to phrase it, quintupling down on its like most loyal franchise icon is like, while maybe puzzling to the outside, like pretty defensible and reasonable from where I sit. Um, I'm not like, I, I didn't see the Blazers on worst off season and like get really riled up. Like my ears weren't super hot, but like it got my eye. I was like, dang, that's harsh. I think that maybe you could say I don't get it, but worst off season in the NBA seems stupid seems just stupid um yeah like 
the Lakers exist. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I sorry, sorry. Uh, for me, that's it, it's. I find that a little hyperbolic. Although I think the Blazers could be put in some sort of like, if the converse, if the question is like, which team are you most confused by? The Blazers, I think, are more reasonable than worst offseason in the NBA. That's, that, to me, that's silly. All right, I got a listener question to close out the show. Uh, listener Dakota Farmer sent me a question that I've got from a whole bunch of people. It's about who the Blazers should protect in an NBA expansion draft. I think it's a fun little exercise. Why don't we talk about it in the third segment? Join me there, won't you? Still a pass versus point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. I've got a version of this question a bunch of times, and I have, quite frankly, ignored it. So if you sent this to me in the past, I'm sorry. But the most recent version of this comes from at DakotaFarmer15 on Twitter, longtime listener to the program. And Dakota sends the following question. Uh, Dakota found this on r slash NBA. Shout out to my Redditors out there. Basically, if the NBA has an expansion draft, which eight players on the Trailblazers would you protect? Uh, in the past, when the team when the NBA has expanded, each team, you know, from their 15, 14 in Blazers' case, but from their regular NBA roster, they're allowed to protect eight players, meaning that you leave seven, or in the Blazers' case, six, you leave the remaining players on your roster available to be selected by the expansion team. So for our exercises, the Seattle Supersonics are back, and the Blazers have to submit their eight protected players and the remaining players will be entered in the expansion pool doesn't mean the players will get picked right like you only have a 15 person roster you're only getting 15 dudes so it's like you know the Blazers aren't going to lose all of the guys they don't protect but who do you choose to protect is I think an interesting exercise and I think it actually speaks to the way the Blazers are kind of set up in general as well so I, I think this is worth doing so I think it's worth doing. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Thank you um, at Dakota Farmer 15 on Twitter for the question. And thanks for those of you who've sent me this in the past and I have, I've ignored. I still love y'all. Okay. So I'm protecting the starting lineup. I'm protecting Damian Lord. I'm protecting Anthony Simons. I'm protecting Nazir Little. I'm protecting Jeremy Grant. I'm protecting Yusuf Nurkic. They're more on Damian in a second. The only name in that lineup that I would consider not protecting is Jeremy Grant. He's entering, you know, he'll enter free agency this summer. Uh, he's a little on the older side for an expansion team. Does an expansion team want a guy entering the single, uh, with a single year remaining on his contract, who is, you know, over over the age of 26, right? Like, what does an expansion team want? They probably want youngsters on relatively cheap contracts. So I'm, I'm going to choose to protect the starting lineup, but but Jeremy Grant gave me a little bit of pause. That means that with after you protect those five, you only have three more you can protect. I think pretty clearly this season, the Blazers' seven best players are those five starters plus Gary Payton the second, GP2, and Josh Hart. I think there's a pretty significant drop-off after those those seven to get to the Justice Winslow, Trenton Watford, Shaden Sharp tier. Uh, and for my money, Justice Winslow is, and, and Trenton are, or at least Justice Winslow, are a little bit above where, where I think Sharp will be because I am just guessing. Let's see him on the court so I can make some real decisions. So that, like, I think in real basketball terms, that's who it would be. But after I protected those five, I'm thinking more about the future and who I want to protect. So I'm protecting Shane Sharp immediately. No question. No question. What was it all for? If you're not protecting Shaden Sharp in an expansion draft, the number seven overall pick, he's 19. You want him under, you want him here for a decade, right? Like he's immediate protect. And under that same idea, I'm protecting 20 year old Jabari Walker. Uh, 
I really liked what I saw from Jabari in Summer League. I think he projects as like a really useful role player at a position of need for the Blazers. Even if he was not a position of need, a, a, you know, a guy who you'll have under team control for up to seven seasons, I guess if you gave him a maxed contract, five seasons, but uh, under seven, seven seasons, if you re-sign him to a contract after his, after his rookie deal expires, like you, you're, you invested in him. So you want to protect him. Jabari Walker's kind of basically a no brainer. So those are your seven. Now you've come to the eighth, and I think the eighth is pretty tricky for me, but I went with Gary Payton the second. You just paid him. He's good. He's, you know, he's a little older. He's a little on the older side, like Jeremy Grant, same age range. But, like, he's he is cheap enough with his contract that I think he'd be an easy swoop. Um, he's like a role player that would fit in in a lot of teams because he's just like a really good defender. He's weird, weird fit on offense to be sure, but a really good defensive player. And if you're a, you know, if you're an expansion team, that's like someone who would be intriguing. So I went with Gary Payton. That means I didn't protect two players. Josh Hart was kind of an easy one for me. Um, I think Josh Hart would get swooped up in a fantasy draft or a fantasy expansion draft. Um, I think he would get swooped up in expansion draft because he's, He's good. He can help. Um, and he's on a, you know, he's, he is also entering the fun, you know, he'll be a free agent next summer, mutual player and team option. Seems like the stars would really have to align for that one to be picked up. Josh Hart will be a free agent next summer. and We'll sign another contract. So yeah, maybe he's not super intriguing, but like he's good. It's not super old. Um, he's a really good role player that would help any flavor of team. So like, yeah, I, I think Hart, if you don't protect him, you're probably losing him. And then the other name I didn't protect here, and I'm, I'm nervous about losing is Keon. If I'm an expansion team, I take a swing on Keon Johnson immediately. You know, he's, he's I believe he's not yet 22. Like he's 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 young. He's he showed some intriguing flashes. Like he has some decision making issues, but that's like a young guy problem. His physical tools are amazing. Like he's just a really good athlete. Um, has showed some defensive chops or some defensive, like want to like some defensive ability, showed some outside shooting prowess, some ability to shoot off the dribble. Every so often he flashes some really nice playmaking stuff, some juice there. Like I really debated over Keon. I went with Gary Payton and I'll more than that in a second. So that means I'm not protecting, uh, Greg Brown, Drew Eubanks, Justice Winslow, or Trent and Watford. Those are all enter the um, enter the the possible expansion player pool. I think Watford and uh, Greg Brown have certain consideration. Eubanks seems unlikely to be considered. Justice Winslow doesn't exactly fit the bill for an expansion team, but certainly could be like decent role player with great defensive versatility. So certainly could help a variety of teams because defensive versatility very valuable in the NBA for sure. Um, but my back to my thinking on the Keon thing. Some of this, and I think I, I, I talked this out with, uh, we'll give her a producer credit. I talked this out with my wife prior to doing this. Is like some of who you protect in the expansion draft would have to be under the consideration of what it would mean not to protect them. So one of the, re- one of the sort of tricky things I was going to do was not protect Amy Lord. I was going to protect Keon in my top eight and not protect Dame. And the reason I wouldn't do that is because Dame's 31. He's owed a whole bunch of money. So it's like, does an expansion team want... Someone his age, uh, who is, you know, someone his age who is owed over, you know, almost 200 million bucks or whatever it is, like 170 million dollars over the lifetime of his upcoming contract, uh, maybe even more. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but a ton of money, right? Like a ton of money over the next five seasons. Is that what an expansion team wants? The simple answer is probably not, but it's like Dame sells tickets. Like he's, and he's also very good. So, like, maybe you say, 
Yeah, cool. Great, great. You know, expansion Seattle Supersonics will take him in a heartbeat. We'll figure out the financial stuff later. Who cares? Uh, But then there's the other side. And this is what uh, my co-producer helped me figure this out. My my producer, I guess. Uh, uh, Co-producer. So... It's like there is an um, there is like a sort of personal interpersonal element to this. Not protecting Jeremy Grant sends probably the wrong message to him. Not protecting Dame, your franchise icon, franchise pillar, is not going to go over well in expansion draft scenario. So while you probably lose Keon here, you're really debating between Keon and Gary Payton. And I could be convinced to keep uh, Keon and Gary Payton. But why I went the other way is because I also have to think about what the Blazers are doing. Based on the other players they protected, Dame, Ant, Nas, Nurk, Jeremy Grant, like they're trying to be competitive. Uh, if if you don't protect Jeremy Grant, maybe you're trying to go young. But going young while having Damian Lord under the contract he is at the AG is doesn't really make sense. So I think why this is an interesting exercise is because it shows the Blazers sort of dual paths. The back end of the roster with, with Shaden Sharp and and Jabari Walker and Keon Johnson and, uh, and, and Trenton Watford is like young developmental parts. Throw Greg Brown in that mix as well. Like, it's young developmental parts. And the front half of the roster is made to be like go now competitive playoff team. And they're trying to strike a balance between those two things. That is very hard to do. And I think who you protect in expansion draft shows the kind of dual directions of this franchise. Like, can you be a developmental team that gives Jabari Walker and Shaden Sharp it's the minutes that they would need to improve as youngsters? And also be a team that makes the playoffs in a very competitive Western Conference. No, probably not, right? You probably cannot accomplish those two twin goals. If you can, boy, is Shaden Sharp good already. And boy, is Jabari Walker more ready than I I view him as, right? Like, if you can accomplish those twin goals, incredible, incredible. And you can move forward. But from from my viewpoint, it's hard for the Blazers to accomplish those twin goals. And the sort of roster split between, like, eight dudes ready to help you win right now and five developmental guys who are like not quite there to be, you know, big parts of a good team, but could potentially be MB like really valuable NBA players like Keon, Shane Sharp, Jabari and, and Trenton could be like valuable NBA contributors, but probably just aren't ready right now. Right. Ready, ready to do that. Like when the season starts here in a month, it's, or, you know, six weeks. I think this exercise is worthwhile for sort of considering the direction and the goal that this team wants to make in the near term and also the long term. If you've got a top eight uh, that you would protect an expansion draft that's different from mine, send them to me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. A correction and two and a couple shout outs I want to give. Correction. On yesterday's show, I mentioned that Didi Luzada had a uh, a fully guaranteed contract for the remainder three years of his of his uh of his contract, only this year's guaranteed. The other, the other years are non-guaranteed. Um, a friend pointed this out to me. I would say a source because people love sources. A friend, <laughs> a friend who works in the NBA and knows better than I do, and would listen to the show and said, "Hey, you got this wrong. Uh, here's the math to back it up. Here's how stretch provision works." But Dita Luzada doesn't change the math or the logic of yesterday's show. But I, I said it three times in the episode that he had a fully guaranteed contract. That was untrue, and I apologize. I, I. Lockdown Blazers regrets the error. Couple shout outs. Shout out to Eli. Eli, a loyal listener who met my friend Michael at a barbecue and told Michael that you were a loyal listener. Shout out to you, Eli. I appreciate you listening. Shout out to Sam and Bend, a friend of my friend of my homie Kevin, uh, 
who said they're a loyal listener as well. Shout out to Sam and Ian. Uh, if you want to shout on the show, here's how you do it. You meet one of my real life friends out in the world and ask for a shout out. I'll give you one. Otherwise, it eh, doesn't happen. The other way to get a shout out is I want to shout out Dan in McMinnville. Dan sent me a whole boatload of Rip City magazines. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, I've got three behind me. One with uh, one with Paul Allen, one with Clyde and MJ, another with Arvidas Sabonis. They're so freaking fun to look through. I love them. So shout out to Dana McMinnville for sending me those. I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's how you get shout outs on the show. You send me free, st- you send me free stuff in a nice note, or you meet my real life friends out in the world. Uh, otherwise, I will just say this like I always do. I appreciate you listening. Come back for next week's show. We've got three more coming next week. It's Locked On Blazers, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.